Secret Library Podcast is brought to you in part by the support of the Secret Library Patreon members. Thank you, thank you, thank you to every single member of our Patreon. You can get monthly solo episodes, custom Q&As, and weekly writing pep talks by joining the salon level at patreon.com slash secret library. This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to season three. Given the year that we've been through, I knew we had to pick a gentle theme for the next three months. As a result, season three will cover the nourished writer. I've spoken to a dozen writers about what nourishes them from approaches to tools to mindset and other delightful secrets they were willing to share. It's been a total joy to record, and I know you'll get so much out of listening to these conversations. I hope you enjoy these episodes as much as I enjoyed creating them. I'm delighted to begin this season with our first guest, Trina O'Gorman. Trina wrote a beautiful statement on her site as her about page. I have paraphrased it here to introduce you to her. Trina began sharing her notebook via an Instagram feed, Ninja Traveling. Originally, the idea to do this was sparked in a discussion she was having with a college writing class she was teaching at Montclair State University in 2014. The discussion was about the impact of social media and the process of building an audience. And her students had wondered how easy or difficult it was and how quickly ideas would spread. So as a group, they decided to start an Instagram account using Trina's notebook as the focal point because she always had it with her. She did not intend to share what was written inside of the notebook. And when beginning the experiment, she was also trying to cope with very difficult personal matters behind the scenes. She spent a lot of time writing as a way of trying to process very complex feelings that range from anger to fear surrounding the end of her marriage. One day, she shared a handwritten page of the journal when she'd always shared images of a closed notebook in the past. She mistakenly thought that the page was too small to read the writing, but it wasn't. And then suddenly her personal writing became very public. This became a teaching moment in both class and life, a lesson about public versus private writing. The other thing it provided her with was tremendous and valuable insight into the power of writing her story. And so this is where she is now, six years later. The world is in crisis. We're in the midst of a global pandemic battling coronavirus, COVID-19. Millions have been affected and thousands have died. But it isn't only a health crisis. It is an economic crisis, a mental health crisis, and has shifted and reshaped the lives of every single person on the planet. And it is a constant backdrop to many other social and personal crises that all humans and every society copes with. Social unrest and racial injustice have been front and center in the U.S. collective consciousness as the U.S. is in an uprising against racism spurred by the murder of George Floyd, an unarmed black man being arrested in Minneapolis, Minnesota. As Trina says to wrap up her statement, I encourage you to acknowledge 
the power of story, your own and the stories of others, as we are nothing but stories, really. It was such a joy to speak to Trina. I knew she was the perfect person to begin this season because of this boundary that she brought to life in her account, Ninja Traveling, which I've been following for years, actually. So it was an honor to speak to Trina, both in her capacity teaching writing at the university, but also looking at the difference between public and private writing and what the difference is and how we write for ourselves and how we write for others and how the goals change depending on which practice we're engaging in. I know you will enjoy this conversation as much as I did. It was an honor speaking with Trina and I know you'll love her as much as I did. It's my pleasure to introduce Trina O'Gorman. Hey, Trina, thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Caroline. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about a topic with you that I couldn't think of anybody better to get into this with, which is that a lot of people have been coming to me saying that they're confused about how to transition from writing in a journal to writing something that they would like other people to read, that whether that's an essay or any kind of writing. And I thought we could talk about bridging that gap since you are a prolific journaler with incredible methods of journaling. And you also teach composition and teach people how to communicate their point of view, knowing that other people are going to read it. So it comes across effectively. Well, okay. I mean, that, that's, I'm like, I sincerely hope I have some insight that I can share with you. That's, that's a tall order, but I do love to journal. Uh, I can't help myself with that. And teaching is my profession. So I do hope that I can share something that will shed some light for others. So absolutely. um, Yeah. So So if you, if you look at what shifts for you when you are So you're journaling for yourself. And if you start thinking, okay, I would like to write something that I want someone else to read. I'm trying to communicate something through this writing. What mental shifts do you make or what kind of perspective shift do you make when you make that transition? Okay, that is a really good question. Um, I would say this. So when I am writing for myself, um, and and I share a lot of what I write for myself publicly too, and I've learned some huge lessons by doing that. Some lessons were were um, were difficult <laughs> lessons that I had to learn um, taking private writing to public space. Um, I think there's a different responsibility. I would say first and foremost with my private writing 
as it moves into public space, not just a responsibility to myself and my loved ones, but also a responsibility to my audience. Um, you know, when I'm writing in my journal for myself to process things and to be messy, right? Because processing things is a, is a very messy process, right? And um, very raw sometimes, um, and also sometimes very dark, right? Um, but when I'm writing publicly and in teaching and, and moving into public space, I, what I have to consider is what I want to share and what messages I want to put out there into the world. Because um, I think, I, as, and also as a, as a teacher or an educator, I feel very um, responsible, I guess, again, right? Um, for what I do put out there because it matters. And if I'm not careful and mindful of how I am sharing my, my thoughts or even shaping my thoughts, the words I'm using, the language I'm using, I can very quickly um, hurt someone, confuse someone, easily be misinterpreted. And so that's never anything that I want to do. When I'm in the classroom, I can more easily backpedal, right? But when I'm putting something in writing and then handing it over to a reader, I don't have that option. So I really have to be, I feel really responsible about the messages that I put out there, that I want to share things that are going to bring love and light into the world. That's me as a person. Everyone's different. Some people are more disruptive maybe than I am. Um, other people like to challenge people to think about the dark things. I don't mind doing that, but at the end of the day, when I'm wrapping it all up, <laughs> right? I wanna make sure that I haven't brought people to a darker place. Mm. Does that make sense? It totally does. So I wonder, do you feel a ton of pressure when you're writing? If, you know, these are a lot of really important questions to ask that I think are essential as a writer. And I also wonder how you hold those intentions without letting it shut you down from writing at all. It can be paralyzing, I think, if... And it has been paralyzing, even in the classroom, when I haven't been clear about where I stand on things or comfortable with where I stand on things. I think that over time, perhaps through my journaling 
or perhaps through just growing and evolving as a person, I've become not certain about things because I would never, ever want to think that I'm certain about anything. In fact, I, I would think that maybe I've become better at being uncertain about things mm. and really careful about the things that I put forth as truths or, or how I try to put forth messages that, you know, I don't want to put forth things as the only truths, right? And so I'm much more mindful about that. And I think that that provides me with a little bit more flexibility too, right? The, the willingness to be wrong and um, not having to feel like I'm right all the time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, so the messages that I'm trying to put out into the world are messages that, like I said, I, I hope bring some light into people's lives. And so I feel like, um, I can't though assume what that's going to be, <laughs> right? So my light might not be someone else's light and my darkness is not someone else's darkness. But I think through my journaling and through teaching, I think there are enough facets now, or at least there are more facets than there used to be so that I can... I guess be softer and gentler and more open to the many, many different strains of truth that exist out there. Yeah. I mean, that is such a, <laughs> it's such a tricky thing to take on. You know, I think truth, I think we all know that truth is relative at this point, at least I hope so. And it's yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering how, um, as you're talking, I'm having this image of how journaling and writing for others can almost be a, a mutually supportive process. Do you find that that's the case that like you're working on writing someone, something for someone else, and then it's necessary to journal to get clear about things, but then go back, does it go back and forth or is it really separate for you? No, it goes back and forth all the time for me um, because I think it's really challenging to separate what we're putting out there into the world, right, with, with what's going on inside of us, right? Because, you know, on any given day, we're carrying all sorts of stuff inside, right? <laughs> like... You know, I mean, we have relationships with others and friendships and concerns and, you know, there are things going on externally that we have no control over, but at the same time weigh on us or need our attention. And so all of this is going on 
internally while you're trying to, or while I'm trying to create something, you know, for my students or for content or for an essay or something like that. And, um, you know, I'll have to step away sometimes from what I'm writing and, and go back and, and do some personal writing right, to get my head clear or myself straightened out or, or work through some anger mm. or, or something so that I can change my tone. I know there are times when I, I have to, I have deadlines um, to write blog content um, for another company and my tone is always supposed to be you know I always try to be inspiring or kind of light um and I'm not always like that as a person right my my life is is challenging and you know as this are the lives of many people and so I'm not always like you know bubbly and like you know <laughs> and I'm trying to come across that way you know and and I would imagine fiction writers you know for them it's the same thing you're you, you're trying to write about a character who is way more bubbly than you are or way more sinister than you are right and you have to be able to connect with those parts of yourself that you need to call forth right at that particular moment in time and kind of put the other ones away right put the other things away and um and, and I think that personal writing helps me do that right that I can maybe compartmentalize things when I need to mm. and call forth certain things when I need to because we all have many aspects of our personality definitely right? is there can i can i ask cuz now i'm i'm curious uh -oh. is is there a particular way that you do this because i because i can imagine if i'm trying to write something like i've written columns and i've written about topics like not just fiction but nonfiction but sometimes like yes things are intense you have an intense emotional feeling about it as a human being and then to write about it for public consumption i maybe don't want to bring all of that in or maybe i think mm, if i if i really go with this the way i want to go i'm maybe going to be misread so are you just sort of venting in your journal before you go in there or, or can we slow this down because i think this sounds so helpful <laughs> so when you say like venting okay so i have like I don't know, maybe a dozen or so different journaling techniques or, or processes. The same thing as, as a writer, you have different techniques that you might use to get into your writing, whether it's like mind mapping or free writing or loop writing and things like that. Um, I have techniques and, and different processes that I do for journaling as well. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes I guess I just vent, but I tend not to do that on its own, I guess, mm. anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to do a lot of that when I was younger, I think, um, but it wasn't helping me, right? So, <laughs> so I think that personal writing, a lot of times I'll hear people say that personal writing doesn't help them. 
right? And I think um, there are reasons for that, that I've identified for myself because it hasn't always been a positive experience for me either. Uh, But one thing that I do do, even when I do try to vent, Mm -hmm. right, or or get rid of some of those angry feelings, one thing that I love to use is an unsent letter, Mm. right? So that's a big and dialogue, right? So I'll do dialogue, unsent letter, um, where I am conversing or writing a letter to the other person or even to the, I've written letters and, and with, with COVID, right? Mm. (laughs) Like I've written letters to abstract ideas and concepts, but I've written letters to others as well, either people Mm -hmm. in my life or people I'm never going to meet that I just need to have it out with. Right. Um, but what I've learned to do, uh, or, and what works for me, it may not work for everyone else, but I, what I've found to be very helpful is to focus on the lessons, right? And so like, what is this teaching me? Mm. So if I'm really angry or really upset or really, um, disturbed by by something that's distracting me um i will always look for the takeaway so whenever i write in my journal whenever i get to the end just like if i'm in a therapist's office the same way the therapist is not going to hopefully (laughs) let you walk out of the office a complete blubbering mess right which is why they kind of wrap things up and then kind of have like that kind of closing kind of end of session time, right? There's a, a, a shape, right, to the, the process. And, and so it's the same for me because I think of journaling as self-therapy, right? I'm not going to take myself into a therapy session and just leave myself like a blubbering idiot, like mm-hmm. at the end of the session, and then just try to walk back out into life, right? Or, or into my story. So it's the same as a therapy session. <laughs> now you're going to write that article, Trina. Don't right? you feel better? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, I have to get my head, like, self into the re- proper headspace to re enter the world. Or, or my story, or my essay, right? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so venting often, when I do vent, it's n- I, I try not to just vent to vent, right? So I think part of the process, for the process for me is extremely intentional. I'll say that. Like, so these days it's very intentional. Like if I'm going to put pen to paper to try to think through things, then it's with the intention of growing, understanding, clarity, finding value, enhancing relationships, even with myself, (laughs) right? 
getting to tap into like different parts of my personality or accepting other people's personalities and quirks and things like that. So it's always with an intention that's going to kind of help me be better. I'm interested in, because you have taught this in your classes also. So I'm interested in where you see your students getting stuck as they're starting to write, you know, in some cases, I mean, they're, you know, at an age where they're really starting to think about writing for other people, writing something convincing, they want to express a point of view and share it. And I'm wondering where you see them getting stuck and how you've helped them with journaling to to kind of navigate those obstacles? It's not just my students, but I think I see it really clearly in my students because I expect to see it in them because (laughs) they're 17, 18, 19, and 20 years old usually. Yep. So I'm like, I'm waiting for it because I know how I was when I was, you know, a young adult, right? I knew everything, right? I knew it all. I could not understand why my parents didn't know it (laughs) and why why the other people who were clearly adults didn't know it. But I was really clear. I would sit around and I could pontificate over the most philosophical thing. I would talk to complete strangers for hours. (laughs) Um, At the time, I had the unhealthy habit of smoking. It was way back in the 80s, everybody was doing it. And we would sit in like the lounge at the university and we could talk about religion and politics and the economy and we'd have our cigarettes and our coffee. And we sounded like we must've thought we had just solved all of the world's problems in a matter and we couldn't figure out why no one else could get get it together, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and this is the same way without the cigarettes right (laughs) my students are they come in and they are so certain right that first of all there are just two ways of seeing anything their way and the other the one other way right and so there are two positions black white right wrong left, right. I don't know. It was just two, right? So they, they bifurcate everything. Everything is just split like this. Um, they see no nuances. They see no subtleties, um, in themselves or in anyone else or anything else. And it is just difficult for them (laughs) to write anything that is deep enough, right, to be insightful and profound and thoughtful because they're unwilling to let go of being right, right? And it's been really hard for me to do that too. Like if you follow me and my personal writing, I mean, I've been through like all kinds of madness. And um, 
for a long time, I wanted to be right because that protects us. And it, it, it makes life less scary if we feel like we have the answers and everybody else, you know, we know who's right and who's wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think that it helps my students through journaling, through listening to each other's responses, because we share a lot of what we write when we're comfortable. They don't have to, but when they do, it helps them to see, sometimes, it helps them to see how many other perspectives there are so that their audience is not just people who think like they do and people who have had the same experiences that they've had. But, you know, there are 20 people in our class. There are 20 different other perspectives. And then we've got to multiply that by the millions of other people who are not in our classroom, right? And it, it helps them to complicate things instead of simplifying it. I so, love that. <laughs> so, and that's not what they want to do. They no. want to simplify it. And I'm trying to push them the other way to complicate it. Yeah. That's a process. And, and that's where I try to push myself because I think that we try to simplify everything. Well, I was right and he was wrong and this person's right or this perspective is wrong because, and then try to fill in that blank. And when I tell people, yeah, but what if you, what if you consider this? And what if you consider that? And then we bring this in and then you bring that in. You can't forget about this and just complicate matters. Then I think then we really become better teachers. Mm. And I think that writers, whether they're writing nonfiction or whether they're writing fiction, I would say that in some way they're the storytellers and, and that storytellers are telling us things that they want to teach us something because I can't figure out why else you would tell the story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that there's a goal. There has to be a goal and it's to communicate an experience. I think. Right. I would think, right. There has to be an end goal. Yep. To convey something worth conveying. Yeah. Something that we have given value to. I think it's also, it makes me think of you're, you're trying to participate in a larger conversation. Absolutely. And, and this is something that I share with my students all the time. They'll start sharing something about a topic or they'll start writing a story or they'll start writing a poem. And I'm like, have you read any other poets? 
have you have you read any poems about love or like no because there's a whole conversation going on about love out there and it would help you <laughs> right to because it's kind of like a call and response kind of thing it's a it's a dialogue we're having a dialogue a continual dialogue that stretches through the ages right we're still having a dialogue with Shakespeare and Jane Austen and we're having a dialogue with Toni Morrison and and Alice Walker and and people who don't have voice right we're having a dialogue with them too and and people of different cultures and ages and genders it's a dialogue and and we can't tell stories in a vacuum and I think the point of it isn't it's it's interesting because this is a mental shift that I think we are not taught to make. It's like we're taught very early on that we want to get it right and we want to get it right quickly. We want to have the right answer and we're rewarded for doing it the first time. And if you don't get it right real fast, then maybe you're not just maybe you're not meant to be doing that thing. But I feel like we miss out on so many people who have important things to say. And if we had a model of okay, everybody has a different point of view as part of this conversation. And the more, it, it makes me think of the end of the never ending story. You know, when they say like, the more wishes you make, the more beautiful Fantasia becomes. Right. <laughs> it's like the more people participate in the conversation, the more beautiful our, our narrative history becomes. And it's not about, I have to prove that my point of view is right and yours is wrong. It's, wouldn't it be more beautiful if we both got to participate? Yeah, that we illuminate the different points of view. I think that's a lot of what's wrong with society, by the way. Totally. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's a lot of what happens that creates conflict within us, right? That we are not valuing right the the many different ways to perceive things and to consider things and we're we're not at all gentle about it no right but you know i say to people all the time because i i have been journaling for a lot of years and and you know teaching writing and writing for different things. And even through like my most recent prolific period, because when I go through a lot of challenges in my life, I tend to just write more um, personal writing than I do other times. And so like for the past six years or so, I've just like written like massive volumes of like things and I have them all in date order. And, so, you know, something that a lot of people don't do is go back and read what they've written. But I have, like, papers and things that I've written for magazines 10, 20 years ago, you know, plus my journals, you know, in, like, chronological order. And I'll pick something up and look at it. And I'm like, what? the hell was I even saying? Like, <laughs> that is so embarrassing, right? <laughs> that, 
that I put that out into the world as like, what? Right? I'm like, I wanted to, I need to change my name, right? So oh, that no, no one connects this to me. But, you know, at the same time, it really helps me to realize at this stage of my life, right, how much change and growth can happen even in short periods of time, right? And how you want that to happen, right? So, so it is okay, right? So I shouldn't be embarrassed. I should be like, wow, I'm no longer thinking like that. Right? <laughs> but, but at the same time, that is kind of memorialized, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've put it out there. It's published now, right? So somebody else who's coming to it new, and seeing it with, you know, fresh eyes and for the first time, that's where I'm taking them. I'm no longer there. Right. <laughs> right. If they came and they talked to me about I'm like, where'd you get that from? Right. Like, why yeah. are you talking like that? It's wild. I think that's partly why like people at the age of your students, like 17 to 20 are so certain because they haven't had enough time to hold an opinion very strongly and then to grow out of it. And be proven wrong. Right. And And oh yeah, no, I'm not into that anymore. Yeah. Are they in for a rude awakening? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's liberating though too. I mean, I think it's just something to, I think because this is something that seems to shut people down that I see also is this sense that one day you're going to arrive and be this, you know, stamped good enough writer and then I'll be allowed to write this stuff I want to write but until I get to that point until I have the experience and the training I'm not allowed to write anything and and so I think this fear can go in both directions of okay I'm trying to prove my point and I'm going to push it out there before I'm ready or I'm never going to let myself speak because I feel like I know I'm going to feel differently later but then it's like trying to sort of encapsulate a river that's always going to be moving. That's just the way it works. Yeah. It's always going to be changing into something else. You're never going to catch it. Right. And so, I mean, you'll look at people who'll write amazing things at like 22, 23 years old. Some of our, our classic writers were extremely young when they wrote what they wrote. And I think there was kind of like, yeah, they, they were just, catching what was there at the moment, right? They weren't trying to be something they they were not. I think we can only share what we, uh, I don't think, I mean, we can only share what we have. I mean, we don't have mm-hmm. anything more than what we have, right? And so I think, you know, part of it is just accepting that you're good enough in whatever iteration of yourself you are, right? And someday you'll be different. But that I, I don't think different means better. I think just just different is just different. You're just on a different at a different stage of the journey. Right. Absolutely. So you can only tell the story of where you are at that particular point in time, right? And and you've got to be okay with that because you have nothing else, right? You have nothing else to give 
right? Other than what you, you currently possess, right? So it seems pointless to worry about anything beyond that, right? And, and, and honestly, like, when I think about it, like, I would love to be able to write song lyrics. Mm. Like, I was like, I'll do that. I remember trying it when I was a teenager and everything I wrote sounded like garbage to me. <laughs> right? But then I'll listen to some of like the top 10 hits or whatever. And I'll like look at the lyrics and I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, I don't even know what that means. Or I'll look at poetry and I'm like, well, why wasn't mine good enough when this is good enough? Right. Because really what is the difference? Like I can't really quantify what makes this poem good or this person wiser or, you know, me not wise enough, you know, and and it just seems to be quite, random and if you'll excuse me I think another landscaper has shown up (laughs) I'm like are they blowing leaves I'm like it's not even autumn what are they doing out there but um I hope it just passed it seems to have gotten quieter behind it's fine but um, fine but yeah I think that that it's almost like an an arrogance yeah Right. Or it's this, I think it's arrogance, but I think it's also fear. It's like, I think it's both. And it's that, that we are looking for a point of arrival that basically happens when you're dead. You know, it's like where you, you have nothing more to say, because if you're interested and you're curious and you're engaging with the world and you're asking questions and you're encountering new ideas, then you're never going to stop changing your point of view. It may be, you know, to a lesser degree at a certain point, but it's, it's always going to shift. So there's no point trying to reach the like, okay, I have arrived and now I might write my stuff. Right. And I, and I think that, I think that the best thing that we can offer to other people that I feel like I can offer to my students, I always want to go there because I feel like my students and my children have given me the biggest insight for myself because I can't claim to be right. And I can't claim to have the answer or the roadmap for everyone else. But what I can do is be as honest as I can possibly be. And I think that through personal writing and through, and I think that's a large part of it for me. So through personal writing, um, it's allowed me to face some fears because a lot of dishonesty in, and inauthenticity right, comes from fear, Mm. right, to me or for me. So it comes from being afraid of how I feel, afraid to share with other people how I feel, afraid that it's not right, afraid that it's not good enough, afraid that it's something I should be ashamed of. And a lot of people tell me a lot of secrets, I think, because I'm 
pretty open. When I say I'm an open book, it's often like, I really mean it. Like you can go onto my Instagram page sometimes and just see my journal. And I've gotten to a I lot know. of for that, but <laughs> I'm um, like, Trina, you know, you can zoom in, right? <laughs> no, I know. I've learned people are like, do you know what you just did? And so sometimes I do. Yeah. I've gotten in trouble for that before, but whatever. Um, it's also helped me, I think to realize that because having done that, people have started telling me things that I think I should fear for my life because I think they're like, they tell me things and now they have to kill me, right? So, (laughs) because people, it's amazing how many secrets people are keeping and how fearful people are of the truth and how many of us are keeping the same secrets and the same like it's all the same (laughs) everyone feels like the deepest and darkest parts of themselves are so unique right and 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 should be hidden away and i'm like we're all hiding so many of the same things and that's why when you let it out into your your characters it's so relatable Right. Because other people are hiding the same things that you're infusing into your characters and into your essay and into your poem. You really don't want to anyone to know that it's like it's just part of humanity. Like it's part of you. Right. But I feel like there's like a pretty limited number of things that we fear. And we're all fearing them and we're all afraid to say them. Yep. And we're also relieved when someone else does. Right. I don't know if any of that, I just started rambling. No, it makes so much sense. And I think it's, I think it's so true because I wish I could remember which writer it was who said this, but I loved it. It was somebody, I don't know if it was Agatha Christie or somebody who wrote murder mysteries. And someone said, oh, this nice person writes these nice things. And they're like, how did you come up with this killer? And the person was like, well, you know, that's also me. Like, I I had to come up with that. Like, I had to dream that up. I had to experience that. And I mean, I don't want to falsely attribute that to Agatha Christie, but it was somebody who seemed quite mild-mannered on the surface, but was like coming up with this diabolical stuff underneath. Right. And it's, you know, it it's out there. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who feel that, like Joanna Penn, I know has talked about like, I write some dark stuff and people think I'm this happy, sunshiny person. And I'm like, I write that dark stuff too. Cause I like it. I'm interested. Right. And if you've read any of the things that I put online and then sometimes delete, right. <laughs> I'm like a walking, like Barney. I'm like, ah! Right. And so happy all the time. And then people have looked at like, especially like five years ago, four years ago, some of the stuff that I was putting out there and they were like, whoa, like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, I'm perfectly fine now that I've gotten that out of my system. Yeah. (laughs) I I cleaned it out. Now I'm good. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Now I don't have to actually go and do it. Right. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, and I tell my students that all the time because, you know, I show up in the classroom and I'm positive and I'm bubbly and I'm an adult and I'm responsible. And I'm like, literally, if anybody could read the thought bubble that's over my head and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I would either be hauled off to like a maximum security prison or a psychiatric hospital. Like, I'm like, you do not <laughs> want yeah. to read the thought bubble over people's heads. No. no, 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 no. And, and yet, so I think it's almost like we get to have this little, um, like dipping your toe in the pool. If you write the things for yourself, if you write yeah. them for yourself in a journal, it's like you're witnessing yourself in having these thoughts and then you can decide am I putting this in the book? Am I putting this in the essay? Or is it just so that I can separate myself from this a little bit? I completely agree with that. Like you're making me think about things that, and you know, the semester is getting ready to restart. And I'm like, oh, I have to, I must mention that to my students. But no, it's, it's, it's very, very, very true. And, and I think that all of the characters and all of the stories, I feel like many, many, many of them, perhaps not all of them because we're all different, but many, many, many of them live within us. I think that we, you know, who was it? Walt Whitman who say, um, I contradict myself. I contain multitudes. I'm like, we are so multitudinous and you know, we try to present as these like collected personas, right? At any given point in time, but we are so complex, right? And some of those complexities scare us. And some of those complexities make us proud. And some of them we think will gain us acceptance and some of them we feel will do the very opposite and have us be shunned, right, or judged. So they become shameful, but they're all in there, right? And I feel that being a storyteller, be, however we're telling our stories, whether it's through fiction or nonfiction or orally or, you know, however we're telling our stories gives us the opportunity, which seems like a gift, but can also be a curse, I guess, <laughs> of releasing those things. Because sometimes we're releasing the demons and sometimes we're releasing the gods, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's all true. And I think it's, I, I think the thing that you, you said at the beginning, which I think is so important, is that you have to learn to be comfortable with the fact that what truth means for you is going to change. And you share what you know in this moment, and then you move on. And I think the other part that I think about is that it's okay if the act of writing it changes you also. Like you don't have to be this, as you said, like a collective presented, un 
unflappable, unwavable front of like, this is truth and I'm not going to change. I, I don't think that you can hold on to that because the writing of what you feel is true in that moment will change what truth is. And I think that's actually a win. I would agree with you. And as you're saying that, I would think that if someone is not willing to be changed by their writing, then perhaps for some people that's part of what's paralyzing them. Because I would imagine that that would present a lot of confusion, right? If, if you're not going to let that very natural evolution take place because you've already written the story or that's not what the story was supposed to be. Oh God. Right? Yeah. So you start writing it and you're trying to make it fit into this box, but the box is no longer there. Now the box is over here or the box is no longer a box. It's now a circle. Yeah. And yeah. And you're trying to like cram it all in there because my students will do that even with their rhetorical writing. They'll start off with a position and then they'll start researching and writing. By the time they get to the, <laughs> end of the paper, I'm like, oh, I don't know if you know this, but you went off topic or you just, you're like, your, your, your conclusion is conflicting with your, which is fine in life, right? right. <laughs> but, but not in an argument because that's not working. So you either have to change your introduction or you have to change your conclusion, but somewhere along the line, something happened, right? And, and that's in, in, in argument writing. Mm-hmm which serves a different purpose. But I think it's a good blueprint for, yeah. for what we can experience in other formats. I think so too. I think, I think, I think you've helped me with some of my, <laughs> some new things that I'm going to infuse even into my, my class this semester. This has been fun. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful to have had this time. I'm sure we could have kept going as I suspected for days, but. And I think that it was really messy, but I think maybe that's writing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think this, re this represents how it happens. It's not like an orderly series of steps. It's, it's circles. It's a dialogue and it's messy and it's associative and it's all of this stuff. And yet I feel like when we got to the end, we were like, whoa, right? Yeah. That was good. Like, I don't know about you, but I, yeah. like, I feel, I feel like we talked about everything and nothing at all. And I think so too. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. 
You can keep the conversation going by leaving a comment in the show notes at secretlibrarypodcast.com or visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash secretlibrarypodcast. You can also connect directly with me on Twitter or Instagram where I'm Caro Donahue. That's at C-A-R-O-D-O-N-A-H-U-E. I look forward to chatting with you there. See you next week. Until then, happy writing.